Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and I just want to share a moment of appreciation for everyone who does listen to this podcast and those who download episodes. Your downloads are really helpful for getting the podcast into other people's ears. It helps it become more visible when it's downloaded, uh, especially after an episode is released. And if you do enjoy the show and you're able to leave a rating or a review, that's always really helpful too. I believe you're only able to leave a review on iTunes as the form of a comment, and you may not be listening on iTunes, but if you have the ability to go on there and leave a review sometime. I really enjoy receiving those and it does help it become more visible and reach more people. And I really love the platform of a podcast and being able to actually go a lot deeper and be more real and honest and expand on topics and ideas, which is just not, we're not able to do that in other platforms like social media it's so short and it's just constantly like moving our attention span into shorter bits um and so i love having this platform i know personally for me listening to podcasts i've been able to just pop in a podcast while driving cleaning walking whatever it may be eating so if you're doing any of those things and listening to me now thank you for inviting me into your world and into your life And um, I appreciate you sharing, downloading, and uh, leaving ratings and reviews. I also appreciate hearing if there's anything you want to hear about on the podcast. You can go send me a DM on Instagram, or you can always email me hello at trustyourguthealth.com. I don't have really any announcements, except we are halfway through the first round of the Gut Brain Healing Toolkit, and it will be opening again. I don't know exactly when. I have to check in with my energy, especially since the first round of this program has happened during um, one of the most challenging times I've been in my life for many, many, many years. So I'm thinking it might be June when we open again. So if you are interested in receiving that level of support in your healing, whether it is with gut issues or mental stress symptoms or your nervous system, this would be an incredible program for you. Really, everyone could benefit from it, whether you even have gut issues or anxiety or not. 
um, being able to support our gut brain connection and our microbiome and our nervous system just completely improves our life. So if you are interested, getting on the wait list is the best thing to do because you'll be first to be offered a spot and there's a special discount and bonus for those who are on the wait list. So with all of that being said, I am going to dive into today's topic, which is about depression. Oh, depression. (laughs) I think most of us have experienced some form of depression at some point in our life. Uh, I actually was diagnosed with depression when I was a teenager and I was put on antidepressants for a while. And that was a really confusing time for me. It's definitely hard to look back and understand if I really was depressed or if I was an angsty teenager just going through things. But now that I have a lot more awareness around trauma and chronic stress and our nervous system and what had happened in my earlier years of life and how I handled those things or you know what tools and resources I had at that point, it makes sense to me that by my teenage years, I was suffering from depression or what I would identify now as some pretty extreme you know, nervous system dysregulation and a lot of childhood wounds and attachment wounds rising to the surface. And this is something that can often happen when we've experienced adverse early life experiences or childhood trauma, which most of us have to some extent. Um, These things can start to pop up when we get into our teenage years or young adult years. That's when they can start to manifest as physical symptoms or mental symptoms, or even like confusing emotions and of course as a teenager you throw in all the hormonal things and it's usually a time you kind of start to explore love and relationships which has so much to it because those are the spaces where we you know reenact our childhood wounds and attachment wounds and so I know that a lot of that was going on for me Um, it was like all the Things from my early years were starting to come forward, but I didn't understand them. And I kind of dealt with them in being very in my like fight or flight. I was just like so busy all the time. Like my schedule was just jam packed. And I I liked it that way. It didn't feel comfortable to like slow down and do nothing. I didn't really know how to do that. And I didn't want to be home and I always wanted to be out with friends and I started to party a lot and use alcohol and drugs and um, as a way to kind of cope and numb and distract from maybe some of the emotions and feelings that were coming up. I know this is a time I also was experiencing uh, body image issues and disordered eating and then I was dealing with some, you know, heart stuff, you know, starting to explore, um, really liking other people and, you know, them hurting me and um, friends moving away and maybe realizing friend groups I had were really unhealthy for me. 
And I think it was actually a really potent time in me like coming out of some of those unhealthy patterns and habits. But um, after, you know, being so long in that kind of fight or flight anxiety space, I think I did start to burn out a bit and crash into these states of depression and, you know, dealing with men um, and heartache at that time just reminded me on a subconscious level of the wound with my father. Um, And this was also a time I was starting to understand that he had an addiction um, and I didn't really know how to cope with that either, deal with that. You know, there wasn't like really anyone to go talk to. There wasn't a mentor or a counselor or really a family member to confine in and you're kind of just holding it all in yourself and dealing with it. And when you don't have that, you can start to internalize things. And so the first thing I, you know, really want to talk about with depression is, um, this quote I heard who, uh, my teacher in somatic experiencing said this quote, and it's something Peter Levine said, depression is aggression turned inwards. So when we're in a state of depression, we're in a dorsal vagal shutdown state. And to get to that state, we will go through fight or flight first. So this is just part of this autonomic nervous system hierarchy that we all have as mammals. We can be in the state of safety and connection, which is our ventral vagal. And when we perceive a stressor or a threat, we will first go into fight or flight. And if we're unable to take care of that stressor or that threat in fight or flight, maybe we can't get out of the situation. Maybe we have anger or boundary that needs to be set but we're unable to do that or we're just in that state for too long without the de-escalation back into ventral vagal in a state of safety then from there we're going to go into that dorsal vagal state of shutdown and this is what happens say when there's a predator chasing the prey maybe the prey couldn't fight they weren't able to run away, they're going to drop down and play dead. So this is the state where we start to say, okay, I couldn't get away. I couldn't fight. I'm preparing myself for death. And so in this state, our body actually starts to shut down. This is where we can start to dissociate. And that's often what happens in a trauma response. So it's a really brilliant protective mechanism that can kind of support us from not experiencing that trauma by being able to like disconnect and disassociate from our body and our mind. And that's why a lot of people may not remember details from a traumatic experience um, or why some people who had really traumatic childhoods just may not remember their childhoods at all. So it's a really beautiful thing that our system does, but it can happen in, you know, not such extreme cases. And so when we get into that state of dorsal vagal, that is where we can also just experience a lot of fatigue and brain fog and hopelessness, helplessness, defeat. We might feel shame 
And this is where we will feel depression. So if we are depressed or if we tend to really struggle with depression, we're likely spending a lot of time in that dorsal vagal state of shutdown. So if you were faced with chronic or traumatic stress and you were unable to fight, so you couldn't set a boundary or stand up for yourself or express your anger, or you couldn't flee, so maybe you couldn't leave the situation or get yourself into a safer space, then you might find yourself going into depression where you feel like nothing I do matters, I'm not sure who I am, why bother, I'm not good enough. So that is why this quote is so spot on. Because if we were in an experience like we needed to be able to express anger or stand up for ourselves or set a boundary and we were unable to, we're going to go maybe into that state of a dorsal vagal shutdown. That is depression is aggression turned inwards. Well, we couldn't engage in that fight response. So we have, you know, brought that aggression inwards and now we're going into depression and it can even manifest in the way that we're, you know, starting to say things like, I'm a bad person, I feel shame, nothing I do matters, why bother, and start to actually have aggression towards ourselves. So often to move out of depression, we might need to engage in healthy aggression. There is often a fight or flight response that was not able to be completed or expressed behind a state of depression or dorsal vagal shutdown. And More often than not, what I see is it does have to do with anger, resentment. Why did you treat me like that, mom, you know, or dad? Like, why couldn't you be there? It may not, we may not even realize that we have anger around something because we were a little kid and we didn't know anything more about the world. But sometimes there is that anger and resentment building and what might be the most helpful thing for us is to be able to express that. And that doesn't mean we got to go and express it to the person, but find ways to move through that anger within our own body. Now, of course, there could be a flight response that needs to happen too, like taking space, feeling empowered, getting out of a bad situation. That might be something you uncover that's behind the depression, like, and you can actually renegotiate that trauma with a practitioner, like the work I do in somatic experiencing to actually like get into that, you know, flight response that you needed to at that time, or even that fight response. So I want to just bring that up because if you do experience depression, or even if you kind of dip into stages of depression, and it can be really common, right, to cycle between anxiety and that more fight or flight feeling, and then depression and that more dorsal vagal shutdown state, be curious if there is a fight or flight response underneath that depression. You might even notice if something happened in your day before you went into that state of depression, or the days leading up to that, or the week. You might even just notice, wow, I was really stressed out and in a lot of anxiety and overwhelm and I didn't really take the time I needed to like decompress and now I'm depressed because I'm just so burnt out. It can be as simple as that. We're just too in that fight or flight state for too long, going, 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 and then we crash down into depression 
and dorsal vagal shutdown. And with that, we probably feel a lot of, you know, brain fog and fatigue and burnout and lack of motivation. I feel like that is often what I experience when I dip into those states. It can also be something simple like uh, a client of mine, we were talking about her relationship with her mother and how when she got on the phone with her mother, she noticed herself starting to like dissociate and just like not be there. And we trace that back to how she actually had a lot of anger and resentment towards her mother for the way uh, she was raised by her. You know, she still loves her mom and has a genuinely really good relationship with her, but she is not happy about some of the ways that her mom was as a mother. It's really normal and that's okay. And it doesn't mean we don't love our parents or respect them or, you know, appreciate what they did with what they had, etc. And this wasn't something she needed to go tell her mom, but it was really interesting to notice that that was a trigger for her. Talking to her mom triggered that repressed anger that turned into resentment that she was never able to express and she would start to dissociate. So the work there is to begin to work with that anger in a healthy way, just within her and, you know, with me as the practitioner and be able to move that through. So that stops being a response in her nervous system when she talks to her mother. The other thing that um, I wanted to talk about here, which I think is so interesting and so important to know is that there's no evidence that depression is caused by low serotonin levels. And I know that might be really surprising because that's what we've been led to believe for decades, that if you have depression, it means that you're not producing enough serotonin. So you need to take an SSRI, an antidepressant, to increase your serotonin levels. And then the belief behind that is, well, I just have a chemical imbalance in my brain, so I just need to take these medications to fix that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I want to start by saying, if you take antidepressants and they are helpful for you, that is wonderful. And I would not tell you to stop taking them unless you wanted to and you wanted support in moving off of them and finding other things. But I know for people, they can be really helpful. But the evidence shows that depression is not actually caused by a chemical imbalance or having low serotonin levels. Yeah, so this came out of an umbrella study by UCL scientists that took the decades of studies on depression and serotonin levels and did their own studies and came to the conclusion that there was no clear evidence that serotonin levels or serotonin activity are responsible for depression. They did studies where those folks who had depression compared to those who didn't have depression, there was no difference in their serotonin levels. They also did a study where those who were, they were able to like lower the serotonin levels in these folks, but they did not develop depression from that. And I think this is just so important to understand because one thing that can happen with this belief of I just have a chemical imbalance and therefore I'm depressed is I think some people can feel a little hopeless in that. Just like, oh, well, that's just how I am. It's how I was born. Like, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to take these meds. 
And if they're taking the meds and having that belief and not actually like changing lifestyle factors that are contributing to their depression or looking at past trauma, then they're just kind of staying stuck in that cycle where they are not actually going to like sustainably and truly help heal the depression if they're kind of just believing, oh, it's just how I am and I just got to take meds. And again, I say this carefully because I'm not talking down meds. I just am worried about how that belief might actually prevent someone from getting the help that would actually truly help them. Because maybe taking meds while also looking at, oh yeah, I went through this really traumatic thing and I live in like a state of chronic stress and actually my relationship's really toxic and I really hate my job and I have this really strained relationship with my mother and, you know, all these different things that might be more contributing than any sort of imbalance in neurotransmitters. Those things, which are not easy to change by any means, but just being able to get support in looking at one of those things or beginning to regulate their nervous system better or look at some of the past trauma and work with that might actually be way more helpful. Now, in this study, uh, they did look at what does cause depression? And they did find a link between traumatic and adverse life events. So the more stressful or traumatic life events a person had experienced, the more likely they were to develop depression, which is right in alignment with everything I know and have been learning about trauma and our nervous system, right? Like you go through a traumatic event, your nervous system is going to try to help you survive that by fighting or fleeing. And if you can't do that, then you're going to go into dorsal vagal shutdown and that's where you're going to be in depression. And so sometimes we can actually kind of be stuck in that state of our nervous system and have that kind of dysregulation where we are just kind of stuck in that dorsal vagal shutdown. The studies also looked at the effects of stressful life events and found that these exerted a really strong effect on people's risk of becoming depressed. So again, the more stressful life events a person had experienced, the more likely they were to be depressed. So it doesn't have to necessarily be traumatic, but it could have been, you know, level of chronic stress. So being in that fight or flight state for too long, maybe they grew up in a really stressful environment or have lived a really stressful life or have just been dealt a lot of stressful events or have a nervous system that's kind of programmed in the fight or flight response. And then that can lead to depression when it becomes too much, right? So the authors of this study, you know, encourage further research and advice into treatments that might focus, you know, not so much on antidepressants, but instead on managing stressful or traumatic events in people's lives, like therapy and exercise, mindfulness, addressing underlying contributors such as poverty, stress, and loneliness. So again, that all leads back to this idea that working with our chronic and traumatic stress is really truly the most important piece for helping us with something like depression. And the study is saying that here. You know, their examples are therapy, exercise, mindfulness, addressing underlying contributors. And that's what we do when we work with the nervous system and we work with chronic and traumatic stress and finding tools and things that might help us which could be exercise or mindfulness, or it might be a lot of other things. And sometimes there are life things to address if 
you know, we do have certain stressors that we might be able to change or manage or, you know, if we are dealing with loneliness, how can we help support that? Or, you know, poverty might be a harder one to move out of. Um, But we are looking at essentially how do we build resiliency in the nervous system to be able to face some of these stressors um, so they're not such an impactful thing on our nervous system. We can come back into a state of safety. And a lot of it might be some pretty deep work that we do want to utilize therapy or EMDR or somatic experiencing for to work through past traumatic events that might be contributing to this dysregulation we feel in our nervous system. So I share this to just put a different view on depression, not so much a chemical imbalance that one might just be born with, but maybe more of an epigenetic thing, something that comes from our environment and what we experience throughout our life in terms of chronic and traumatic stress and understanding the states of the nervous system and what depression is within the states of our nervous system and how we get there. So again, looking at, is there a fight or flight response stuck underneath our depression, either in the way that we didn't get to express or complete something like we needed to, that might be setting a boundary, expressing anger, um, actually fighting someone, like maybe we had a traumatic experience where we wish we could have punched someone or bite someone or pushed them away, Um, you know, feeling empowered, you know, being able to speak our truth. Um, being able to actually physically run away from a situation, get to a safe space, or have a safe person there that wasn't. This can be a lot of things that we might need to renegotiate, which some of it we might be able to do on our own through just some anger work, or some of it we might need to work with a practitioner on. And then also the other thing behind that is, have I been in a state of chronic stress? You know, have I been in a state of fight or flight for a lot of my life or a good portion of my life? Or, you know, was that a state I was feeling for these last days or weeks before I kind of hit this point of depression and seeing if we can bring more regulation throughout our days so that we're not getting so overwhelmed in fight or flight that we dip into depression. So those would be the areas that I would encourage people to explore if they do experience depression. I shared recently in one of the last two episodes how I had gone through a period of a lot of stressful things and I definitely wasn't regulating very well and was getting um, burnt out and there was kind of this one final straw and after that happened I fell into depression for a couple days And that's not something I I normally do, like kind of since my experience when I was a teenager, um, I tend to be way more anxious and um, in that fight or flight response than in the depression response. But um, I definitely dipped into that. And once I was there, I could see why that happened after all the things and just going 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 and pushing and just like not feeling resilient and not being regulated and getting so overwhelmed I just fell into depression and I just I I understand it you know a lot and I understand my system so I was able to just kind of like be with it and know that it would pass um, and I'm still experiencing a little just because I'm I'm navigating grief 
Um, and with grief, we really just have to feel it and let it be. So, um, that was a clear example for me of, okay, I was like way in my fight or flight for too long and now I'm, I'm crashing into this and that's okay. Here are some somatic tools and ways I can support myself in feeling this and moving through this and trust I'm going to get back into like a better space soon. And that's what I hope for all of you. And that's what we do in Gut Brain Healing Toolkit. So hop on the wait list. All right, that is all for me today. Thank you again for being here. And I hope you have a resilient and regulated day. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.